Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? Then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Haar and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts podcast where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of dynasty trade values. News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please tune into the trade addicts podcast thank you and enjoy your podcast welcome back to the dynasty crossroads my name is peter howard at pa howdy on twitter man i i came in real hard on that welcome didn't i uh, anyway, I hope you're all doing well. Listen, um, I got a guest scheduled. I know, right? In advance. But then I forgot that the guest was coming in for next week because I said next week and my brain auto-shifted to that meaning I already had a podcast set up for this week. And I don't. Um, last week I was looking at hit weights for wide receiver. I actually ended up doing a video on all four skill position players um on the most common breakouts so check those out if you want to know more about the breakouts but this week i guess off the cuff we're just going to talk about the scott fishbowl that's right people it's a scott fishbowl episode so those of you that don't want to listen to that i guess this isn't the place um but i'm just going to run through some things that i found um with scott fishbowl scoring and draft strategy and something i'm trying to build to help maybe track the draft and you know Make sure you don't miss players um, that you want and stuff like that. Um, but anyway, I guess I, I better do my, my drop here uh, full of the links and helpful information about where you can find content. So let's do that. If you could go to your podcast app, internet, browse, whatever you use to listen to this show and other shows, leave a... A like, a subscribe, a review, I'd really appreciate it. It'd really help us out. I'd like to know what you're thinking of the show. Um, I also have a YouTube page, YouTube backslash PA Howdy, I think, but it's also in the description of the show. Um, I'd really like to know if you're enjoying the videos or which videos are helpful or not helpful. Liking and subscribing, I'm assuming you know how YouTube works. Finally, I also have a Patreon page. Um, it's free. Mo- almost everything I post on there is free. I do try and keep a few little things for Patreons to say thank you. But, like, access to it is for all levels. Support on there is just support. It's not a product I'm selling. I try not to do ads. I don't do ads anywhere. <laughs> um, I don't sell you anything. But if you have a dollar this month or every month three dollars or whatever you can or can't afford it's just fine with me but i'd really appreciate any help you could give me with any of that if you find any value entertainment or anything else in any of my work so yeah check them out i guess and now i have fully sleezed myself up uh we need to do something else really appreciate it uh let's go let's let's do something more fun okay thanks Okay, now that that's over with, I guess we'll talk about the Scott Fishbowl. Scott Fishbowl 10 is, frankly, pretty awesome. I, I like the fact that a large part of our community is centered around this thing that's purely for charity. Like, the beating heart of fantasy is about the fact that we all really enjoy fantasy football. And we also, like, c- care about people. That's pretty cool. Uh, instead of it 
mostly being a product or whatever else the rest of the world is. So I'm a big fan. I recommend like the, the SFB Avi makers, Jake Anderson, uh, former <laughs> former co-host, as no one, hopefully all of you remember, um, uh, here at the Crossroads um, is actually part of that. You've also got like Addison Hayes collecting any kind of donations, but a dollar and up to get a, like a a 20-year history of uh, scoring and stats going all the way back to 2000. Um, so we can do our research. Um, also, Kent Wentworth is collecting ADP. Um, I just updated uh, from his just Google sheet that he's putting out for everyone else, um, which is also really useful information. Me, I've been combining all this free data to try to understand what's going on and also oh i should mention make sure you check out the uh, the scott fishbowl podathon from marcel lido just look for the sfb podathon you'll find the app and it's going to be a really big fun live event with everyone from matthew berry to you know some people who have maybe been guests on this little know nothing podcast as well so it's definitely worth checking out it's going to be a lot of live fun um so please go check all those things out now Important things, if you're in the Scott Fishbowl, to know. Um, the scoring of the Scott Fishbowl, you probably know by now, but its main attempt has been to equalize scoring across positions. And in fact, Scott's done that fairly effectively. If you look at the coefficient of variation across players that finish at the top three at each position, it moves from a 0.16 variance to 0.11 variance. And in fact, that's consistent if you go to players that finish within the top five, within the top 12, within the top 24, or within... Uh, when we get to within the top 36 there's a great deal more variance but there's still a lot less variance across the positions than um in ppr scoring so what does that look like instead of like uh, quarterback scoring 22 points um per game and wide receivers in the top three scoring 20 points per game instead uh qbs are scoring 24 points per game and wide receivers are scoring 16 points per game tight end is really where uh, the scoring has been boosted a little bit inside the top three because they also score about 19 points per game so tight ends has been lifted up to reduce the variance but also running back and quarterback have been made noticeably closer um like within the top five quarterbacks and running backs actually average quarterbacks average two points per game more or so and i'm using uh, a certain type of points per game here that's why the numbers might be seen a little bit different but it's what i do when uh, it's a points per game method i use when i'm looking across positions instead of players and um, so just roll with it here whereas in the scott fishball scoring uh, the uh, difference is uh, only one point, not two points per game. And and that's within the top five of both positions. So the scoring has been effectively equalized. Other changes include, um, you know, extra value for completions, but also incompletions get negative points. And um, rushing has been devalued somewhat from the quarterback position because of this, in that, you know, quarterbacks that finish inside the top 12, for example, um, in PPR regular scoring leagues, average about 11% rush share. So obviously we've got the Cam Newtons and, and and the Josh Allens up at the top running a lot. And then you've got a few like Matt Ryan or Drew Brees that barely rush at all. And so it averages out to about 11% inside the top 12. But that's a clear percent more than in Scott Fishball scoring. And if we go up to players that finish inside the top three, so when quarterback actually matters, and 13 average uh, rushing attempt market share compared to the Scott Fishball where quarterbacks who finish inside the top three average 11% uh, 
team rushing attempts. So you can see a significant difference in terms of the overall rushing. That's not to say rushing doesn't have any value, but it's noticeable that players that get high completion rates and also just a high number of completions with a low number of incompletions, which would be a completion rate, and have extra value. Now, an interesting knock-on effect of this, just before I run on with a whole bunch of other stuff, since you're probably looking for player names more than general trends, is that when you're looking at the quarterback position, players that you might think of as boring, safe, or even bad actually get a boost. Some names that roll right off the list are like Derek Carr, high completion rate, and he throws for a decent amount. Jimmy Garoppolo, high completion rate, and offense bent purposely to try and hide his weaknesses. And also, Drew Brees is like the goat of Scott Fishball 10 scoring. Last time I checked ADP, he was going towards the end of the second round. And if you want to go QB early, I, like I don't know of a better pick than Drew Brees. I shouldn't say that because I'm hoping, like I would love to get him in the second round. Um, but I think ADP will just to account for that as we understand the scoring system a little bit more before the draft on Monday. Oh, oh God, in a couple of days. Anyway, moving on. So, those are some things to know about the quarterback position. On the other hand, rushing for running backs is the exact opposite. Almost uh, an inverse uh, increase in terms of players finishing in the top 3, top 5, top 12 actually rush for a slightly higher average in Scott Fishball scoring than rushing attempt scoring. This means that players like Derek Henry, for example, who primarily do most of their work through the grand game, should actually at least solidify their value in your mind. We're used to valuing Kareem Hunt as a <laughs> people who don't draft Kareem Hunt are really going to regret it. If you're thinking about that in terms of Scott Fishball scoring, the only way to think that is if Nick Chubb isn't there because his receiving role is a lot more undervalued as a running back and for that position. I, I think, honestly, I would value Kareem Hunt a little bit less and Nick Chubb a little bit more, and that's before we get to the point that there's really no reason to expect Kareem Hunt to take Nick Chubb's work instead of Nick Chubb taking Kareem Hunt's work, and that's just in regular leagues, but we're not talking about those right now. Um, in terms of target share... Uh, interesting enough, wide receivers actually get a slightly slightly smaller target share per game um, compared to in regular PPR scoring and Scott Fishball scoring. Honestly, I think this is mostly variance and um, based on a few pluses and minuses. Uh, that I honestly can't track down. So I don't, I don't think there's a great deal to do with adjusting our understanding of wide receivers, but I haven't quite fully dug into that. All right. Um, ADB trends right now are for running backs to go off the board hot and heavy within the first three rounds. In fact, I would say pretty much the average or the modal, the average most drafts are going to be running back heavy. Most teams are, in fact, going running back heavy with quarterbacks coming off the board at a second highest rate. By the time we get into the second round, 30% of all picks have been running back, 16% have been quarterback, only 13% have been wide receiver, and 5% have been tight end. And, you know, numbers probably make sense to you at that point, but 11 running backs, six quarterbacks, five wide receivers, and only two tight ends. But two tight ends going off in the first two rounds should tell you that people are targeting that QB, that tight end bump, which I typically always fade. When people put extra value on the tight end position, it's just kind of easier to not fall into line with that. Anyway, another thing that I've been making and working on for, you know, however I could possibly get this to people, is to... Put in your draft pick, so if you draft first, second, third, fourth, fifth, overall, whatever it may be, then it uses ADP to pull up your hypothetical team if ADP played out perfectly. Now, 
I don't know how useful the teams are, but it is interesting to find that there are certain patterns to where you are in the first round to what ADP thinks is going to be your team because it's telling you where the likely value is going to be or that's what I seem to have been been able to draw from it. For example, my first pick is third overall and it suggests that I'm going to go quarterback and then heavy running back all the way to the sixth round before I take my first um, wide receiver, which is actually a tight end. Evan Ingram. Okay, I have some things to fix. But uh, either way, uh, the early part of the round, the value ADP thinks is a team that leans heavily on quarterback, but specifically running back. In the middle of the draft, it seems to be where wide receiver values are falling. So if you have a 6, 7, or 8 pick, expect to be tempted by the wide receivers that fall to you in those middle at those middle picks towards the end of the draft it gets more running back heavy again but interestingly the the 12th spot uh, becomes wide receiver heavy again with uh, suggesting you either take a quarterback or wide receiver within the first six picks but like I say, I have some fixing to do on this one, so moving on. Um, I also created like a strategy tester where you could decide if you were going to go running back, running back, quarterback, quarterback, or whatever order you were preferencing. And then it pulled up the average points per game for players who were who finished in the range of those players that are being drafted. So in other words, in round two, 11, 11 running backs, like I said, have been drafted. So what's the average points per game of running backs draft who finish in the top 11 in points per game now this isn't perfect because it assumes our adp is accurate to how positions are going to how positions are going to finish and lots of draft strategies and most of the draft is about trying to grab upside and players that other people don't realize are actually going to do really well this year so there's a little bit more nuance to it but outside of that you could say there's by and large we draft the players we think are going to finish higher first and the players we think are going to finish lower second right so it gives you a rough idea of what strategy might work if everything were perfect at least one thing i did find is that wide receiver heavy so if i went wide receiver wide receiver then went back to quarterback or running back for that matter before switching back to the other position and all these teams grabbing a tight end running back heavy QB heavy or wide receiver heavy. Uh, I put the tight end in the seventh round just to keep it nice and even. And then they all go back to wide receiver, except for the wide receiver heavy team. Anyway, I just inputted a basic wide receiver heavy, running back heavy and quarterback heavy strategy in terms of what position you draft in the first eight rounds. What I found is if we get the ADB perfect, wide receiver heavy actually beats running back heavy, which probably isn't coming off the page when you look at the heavy influence and emphasis on rushing for running backs for example however wide receiver heavy on average if we got our adp right does beat running back heavy however qb early beats both of them significantly like the team would average on a points per game basis about 133 points the next one is wide receiver early which is about 131 132 points running back heavy got me 130 points again it's just an exercise in what kind of strategy would work if we get things right. And there's a lot more that goes into a draft. But what I did think it highlighted, especially when it pulled up the points per game for running backs and wide receivers and tight ends and everyone that finished within this range, within these ranges based on where they're being drafted, is that you don't lose too much by taking a shot on a wide receiver and grabbing 
and foregoing one quarterback, one running back, only to come back straight to that position afterwards. So if you see value at wide receiver, I would not fade it because of the scoring system. If Julio forced you in the third round, or he won't, but you know, something that's obviously value, I would strongly suggest taking that. That's going to be something in my mind anyway, because the while wide receiver scoring is a little bit more muted, and something Scott Fish has pointed out, and I've noticed as well, is that wide receivers are actually better in the flex position, of which there are three in the Scott Fish Bowl, and I haven't finished my flex breakdown yet, but I think it's a really interesting part of the scoring system that's a little under-talked about. Anyway, there are three flex spots, and unlike in PPR... Wide receiver is more often going to be the better choice in Scott Fishball scoring because the, the, the drop in points per game is just less at wide receiver. So at a certain point around about, you know, uh, wide receiver 36 and running back 36, the wide receivers who are after those in points per game scoring consistently score significantly more than running backs at that same position rank in points per game. So the depth of wide receiver means you're probably going to lean especially as we get used to the scoring system on a week-to-week basis wide receivers might actually provide us more flex value than running backs which is again kind of the reverse of what we're typically thinking about so it's definitely something worth considering especially if you don't grab a wide receiver early or you go running back early that provides a different type of draft uh, strategy or where you're going to be when those flex valuable wide receivers are going off the board you kind of want to grab some of them rather than running backs running backs are pretty much go get your studs um, as early as possible your your favorites and then as always grab the ones that we we hope are undervalued or whatever the upside running backs handcuffing everyone else's running back or whatever else but they shouldn't be thought of as much Still can be, but they shouldn't be thought of as much as a flex play compared to wide receiver. Anyway, uh, that was something I found that I thought was pretty interesting and has really helped influence what I plan to do in this draft. I also created like a, a draft tracker so you can type in or I can type in uh, the players as they're drafted and it shows me if they're reach or overreach and then that affects the ADP tab which shows which just highlights all the players that have been taken and so I can see if anyone's falling in ADP just by a glance because they haven't been highlighted yet and that's been a really useful tool in the mocks i've been doing and especially the slow mocks for those fast automated ones you just you can't type enough it's not worth it and speaking of which if you're trying to play for the scott fish bar i would suggest mocks mocks and more mocks like everything else and remember like everything i just said and we have certain instincts, depending on what you prefer to play, whether it's redraft, dynasty, or anything else, that it is hard to see around in a new scoring system. But it's also hard to readjust on the on the fly when you're very used to, typically everyone in the Scott Fishball is very used to having a pretty good sense of who should go and who's going to come back to me in the next round. Where the scoring system has changed so much, we can make, you know, uh, unconscious assumptions that just aren't true in the scoring system but mocks can actually fix a lot of those problems because they can get us used to the news the new normal or at least the new normal in this league and so i recommend going back to the drawing board or whatever you want to call it and doing as many mocks as possible sensibly don't uh, don't overdo it and then just be so bored of it that you do something crazy uh, like i 
I tend to do in the Scott Fish Bowl in the actual draft, um, but mocks will inoculate you to some of these changes. It will give you a good idea of if running backs are going to fall to the third or fourth round. Really good running backs kind of are falling to the third or fourth round, which opens you up to take a shot out of the wide receiver or go QB early, both of which seem to be really good strategies based on their little strategy thing, tester, doohickey that I made here. And... Testing average points per game for players finishing in those ranges. But anyway, um, all right. Uh, the other thing that I've been looking at is just the Jacob Brickroad strategy of how many players finish inside the top 12 overall, for example, um, in Scott Fishball soaring. And inside the top 12, it's pretty much a division between quarterbacks and running backs. We average about 1.5 wide receivers in the top 12 since 2009 if we push Scott Fishball 10 scoring all the way back to 2009. Only 1.5, pretty much one a year. In a really good year, weirdly, 2015, not 2014. Um, yep. Had to check that. We had four wide receivers finish inside the top 12. Two in 2014, three in 2013, and since then we've gone 0, 2, 0, 1. But before this odd series of years we typically got at least one but i wouldn't expect many wide receivers and um, to be entering into the top 12 overall once you count quarterbacks obviously a little different if you discount quarterbacks and you're just mostly thinking about the flex plays which is again where wide receivers seems to have some value overall with the tight end scoring and again i'm a little biased because this is my typical strategy anyway i i will grab kelsey i will grab kittle but I'd much rather take a shot on a quarterback or solidify that running back position so I can maybe take a wide receiver and not worry so much about the comeback form, that running back two that, that I'm going to want to take before most other things. So tight end, I mostly fade. I know there's always going to be a contingent of really smart players who are advocating the advantage um, of quarterback in the top five or having that top five difference maker. But honestly, I've never found it to be much different uh, than... Uh, uh, the old Rob Gronkowski can win you your league. That's true, but you have to make more correct decisions at every other position. It just limits you. And because it's a single starter position, even with the extra advantage that Scott has boosts up tight end scoring in the Scott Fishbowl, mostly I just find it lifts all boats and I can play the position fairly similarly to how I do uh, in PPR leagues. I'm not seeing a great deal of difference here. Um, on average, we get about three players if we're lucky, um, at the tight end position, which are adding significant value over the rest of the field on a points-per-game basis. But again, we know how tight end can work. Points-per-game can look very drastically different compared to with, with time miss like Evan Ingram and everything else. And overall, streaming is more difficult in a, in a redraft league that's so contense and so competitive as the Scott Fishbowl League. But it's not impossible. You, you can grab a, a mid-round tight end. And frankly, Austin Hooper... Um, Darren Waller, um, uh, a bunch are falling really late, and later players include pl those that, well, your favorite sleepers are even later, but Jack Doyle is still there for, you know, streamability, um, uh, as well as anyone else you want might want to mention that you have as a favorite sleeper for going to 2020 anyway. I, I still think streaming is infinitely possible in the Scott Fishbowl, um, at least, but it does tie another roster spot up in a league where, 
Flex spots are so valuable, I will probably not carry extra quarterbacks, uh, extra tight ends, and just trust that a mid or a late round guy can provide me good enough weeks to start with, or maybe I've captured something more and I don't have to worry about the position, like as what happened with Darren Waller or Eric Ebron in their years. Although, you know, hopefully Waller's going to continue it, whereas Ebron didn't. All right, um... I think that's about it. If you're interested in any of those things, I'm going to find a way to host this this uh, holy unholy combination of Addison's data and Kent's ADP somewhere so you can all get access to it. Check out our Twitter feed and Patreon. I will post it for free, but we'll probably, unless it's contingent on like a Scott Fishbowl donation, if I find a way to get it out there. But if you have any questions or anything like that, feel free to hit me up at PA Howdy. Um, and yeah, all those links that I forgot I dropped in the uh, in the drop because I don't like saying those things. Um, all right. Uh, good luck in Scott Fishbowl. Thanks for checking this out. Hope some of that was useful. And I will talk to you again next week with a, let's say, mystery. Mystery guest. Yes. It's a good one, actually. I'm really looking forward to the conversation. See you next week. Bye. Yeah. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the play, so. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that, I, I like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore. I am at a crossroads. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds. So, Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play run fold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical.